who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Listen! Hello and welcome to NBC, IGN's Nintendo podcast. I'm your host, Casey DeFritis, and this week I'm joined by Per Schneider. Hello. Tom Marks. Hello. And Zach Ryan. Another week and no Symphony of the Night on Switch. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's right. That's what you're Is that a for? thing? Every week. Every week, I think maybe this week Symphony of the Night will come to Switch and then every week it doesn't and I'm sad about it. I mean, oh. in 2020, that's a wild hill to die on. Is oh, that... look, I got the like, Castlevania shirt on. I forgot. <laughs> I, actually, I actually just finished watching the Castlevania series. I watched all of it from start to finish again, and it's very, very good. And I'm very it's sad the fourth season isn't out yet. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, hey, guys. Welcome to the Nintendo show where we talk about things besides Castlevania. But Zach, good to know that that is your most anticipated game that has not been announced yet for the Nintendo Switch. Of all Someday. time. Of Someday, all time. baby. Someday. Um, but this week, we will be talking about how limited time events and games can sometimes make it fun and great and an amazing reason to come back. And other times, is it really just peer pressure, fear of missing out? That's kind of taking away the joy from some games and taking away your, I don't know, a ton free will to play what you want to play when you want to play it. <laughs> That's a funny way to put it. But we're also talking about how Famitsu interviews revealed more details about Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition and some small news and our usual segments like games out this week and what we're playing. So let's start it off. So this week, we all know that um, Animal Crossing's Museum Day Stamp Rally event has started. And this comes the question, do limited time events and games... Are they good or are they bad? Are they fun? Are they stressful? Are they something in between? Do some games do that well? Do other games do it poorly? What do you think? What do you think about limited time events inside games? For example, Animal Crossing Museum, Day Stamp Rally, the Cherry Blossom DIY events, and all of those other things. Well, the, the, the Animal Crossing events are really interesting to me, too, in this, in, in this question specifically, because, like, generally, I don't mind limited time events in games, but also I think of those in the context of 
online games or multiplayer games with big communities that you're interacting with other people. And so like the item that you got at that point is kind of like a badge of honor of like, I've been playing this long that I got to be at this event at this time, you know, with stuff like monster hunter or any MMO or, or just like league of legends did a lot of like limited time events. Hearthstone does all these events like that type of thing. I never really minded. It's a little different. I don't mind it in animal crossing either, but it's a little different when it is like, primarily a single player game um obviously this is a similar thing of like you can show off you know i'm sure there's somebody out there who's got that egg arch and they're like you know i was there for the easter event with my egg arch but like it's less thrilling when it's something that you're just sort of building for your own collection i think that's kind of my initial my gut reaction so i I think you're putting your finger on something there i actually animal crossing fundamentally is is structured around the calendar year, right? There are events that you come back for. And some of the attraction is to come back and see what Christmas looks like or what Easter looks like in the game. So I actually really like that. I don't think they've yet fully connected the dots on how to let everybody in and celebrate. Like if you take like a a Fortnite concert event, for example, it's this giant thing where everybody rallies around. It's a big story online. And yeah, the East, the egg stuff was pretty big around Animal Crossing too. If you were on, on social media, it was mostly people complaining that they got so many eggs, but there, there is kind of like the starting point of something that uses an event to create a connection between people. And I think ultimately those are the ones where that I like, you know, Splatoon was a great example of timed events too, right? Like having you uh, break into teams and rally around the, these two kind of teams um, and align with one was really, really fun from a, you know, working dad perspective. It's never awesome uh, that they are time limited. And and I had to miss out on some of them because I, I was doing something else and, you know, was on a, on a trip or, or um, spending time with the family, but I, I fundamentally like that like that stuff. Yeah, I, I think I think the timed items, especially when it comes to like weapons and armor, are super cool. I think it's like, you know, when you see somebody in game and you see the, the the gear that they've got because they did some timed event and it's it shows like, oh, this person's really hardcore. They've got this super rare item from this timed event. Like I think that's really, really interesting. Um it just doesn't necessarily fit with how I play games. You know, like uh, you know, typically like I don't do a ton of jumping back into stuff after I've been away. And, and I thought that animal crossing would be the game that would like really ingratiate me into timed events, but you know, I haven't picked it up in weeks and you know, the museum, if anything was going to get me back into it, it would have been the museum events. But you know, I, I think at this point it's just kind of like, well, I had my time with it. I, you know, I enjoyed it and now I'm onto other stuff. Um, but I, I don't necessarily uh, disagree with the idea that there, you know, there's definitely some kind of pressure or some sort of like uh, uh, gamers anxiety around getting all of those specific items or, or things in that time frame. Like when when March was ending and people were trying to catch um, who's that dumb fish from Animal Coelacanth? There was one fish that everybody uh, was like the coelacanth. No, not the coelacanth. It was a different fish. Anyway. That everybody yeah. on my timeline was like, I've been fishing for four hours. I've spent 150 string days fish. in a string fish. Yes, that's still the one. Still haven't caught the string fish. And it was getting to the point where people are like, this event ends in three hours and I don't have a string fish. Like, ah, what am I going to do? Uh, you know, like that. I, I also commiserate with that in that like, I don't want to have to cherry. The cherry blossoms event actually was a problem where people, you know, people felt like, 
there was a task list of things that you needed to accomplish, but they couldn't because the recipes were released over time, right? So people are catching the cherry blossom petals and seeing other people craft things, but not being able to craft them themselves. So there was a little bit of that anxiety with it, but I think it really dep- it depends on what kind of gamer you are. I, I had no problem that I didn't get the, you know, the cherry blossom fan or something in time. You can come back next year or you can time travel this year. Evil Biff. Yeah, evil Biff. Yeah, I think it's definitely a completionist thing, right? Like completionists need to have all that stuff in the time frame. And I've I've never been that. So I used to be that man. I used to be that so hard with games where anytime a seasonal event would come out, I would need to hit every single thing. The when I was really, really into Hearthstone, when Hearthstone first came out, I was like, I need to get every single card back that they release every single time they release a new card back. And then there was a card back you could only get if you like won a tournament in China or something like that. And I was like, oh. Well, okay. Pear, you know that feeling with Amiibo and uh, those like special Monster Hunter Amiibo, right? Or like the Labo Joy-Con and stuff like that. And I think part of me sort of just like gave up. Like, I, and I think I'm better for it where I was just like, okay, you know, I don't need absolutely every one of those things, but I totally sympathize with the people that are like that because I've been there and it's it's a really like, suffocating feeling especially in in the case of like the cherry blossom thing where it's like you are playing every day but like yeah. you just can't, like you're still not getting everything <laughs> i think um some other nintendo games have been doing that recently as well like um pokemon sword and shield has had limited time raids with special pokemon and i think it was new year's they had shiny magikarp raids and they weren't that difficult to get but i felt pressure to do nothing but look for shiny Magikarp raids for like an entire day. And it's like, this is all I can do for all day. All I can do is just get shiny Magikarp because you're not guaranteed to get the right nature and ability and et cetera, et cetera. It's Pokemon and well, shiny Pokemon are good for trade fodder. So I felt pressured to do nothing but that that day, even though I wasn't necessarily enjoying doing nothing but that that day. And that's and that's tough too because New Year's is all about boozing and kissing. So mm-hmm. you can't be worried oh. about shiny Pokemon when you're supposed to be out there drinking booze and doing smooches. Yeah, yeah instead of boozing and kissing, I was catching shiny Magikarp, and I blame I blame that on Pokemon. What a disappointment <laughs> to all the smoochers out there. This, this podcast always makes me sad. <laughs> um, one of the, one of the things about those limited events though is like they are like they're fundamentally designed to get you to come back to the game, right? Yeah. Like there's sort of there's sort of three classes you can fall into, which is you're still playing the game and it's just a little bonus. You're not playing the game and it pulls you back in or you're not playing the game and you ignore it and miss out. And like, right, <laughs> like Zach waving enthusiastically. I, I think that there's like, you know, if, if you're in one of those categories, you're like whatever category you're in, there's kind of nothing you can do about it. Like you're just sort of like, going to be one of those people or not and you're going to either miss it or you're not <laughs> like well okay yeah but there, but there's also the surprise factor and that ultimately i think animal crossing if you are playing it casually and you sign in and the seasons have changed it's just really cool to like oh, yeah. not know this was going to happen actually i didn't pay attention like the stamp rally surprised me it's not great it's not a very exciting <laughs> event you yeah. literally walk through your museum looking for a pedestal and go and that's it. But it was still cool to come in and then hear that there is an event going on and then experiencing it for the first time. So I really like that element, the surprise element, rather than the got to set my clock to be somewhere element, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Hera, what's sure. what's going on? What's going on with your setup? I feel like you've really upgraded your setup. You look different. I I swung. So I was. Uh, I think I was in my library before, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and I moved. Uh, this is my little my little office space, mm-hmm. and the background is really really boring. So I turned around the table, and you can see just some junk in the back. Great. Oh, junk. <laughs> That's it. Good. Uh, there's. Uh, I have uh, X-wing and Armada ships. Nice. Ooh, That's good. You know, t- Tom mentioned uh, collecting amiibo or controllers, and uh, there may be something going on there with those ships too. <laughs> One and viewers uh, to NVC can see that I'm still working. I'm still collecting doors. I have several doors on display here. So it's it's a little bit like a Monsters Inc. waiting room or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to derail the conversation. Please. Continue. No, you're fine. Um, Look, I did want to... I can bring it back to Nintendo. <gasps> it's Outrider. Nice. Shadows, Shadows of the Empire. That's right. Sorry for our listeners. We're just, we're just looking at stuff right now. Come pop over to the video to see the things that we're all looking at. Kids. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, I guess I just wanted to bring up some other Nintendo games that have featured time events in the past. And if you thought they did a good, poor or fine job at it. So Mario Kart 8 Deluxe had a limited time online tournaments. Arms had party crashes. Splatoon 2 had Splatfests. Mario Tennis Aces had limited time online challenges with exclusive costume unlocks. And Super Smash Bros. Ultimate has had spirit board challenges, which I personally didn't really care that much about. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the most not. impactful one, I think, was the Splatoon one for me. Still, yeah, I think Splatoon. I really like the the Mario Kart challenges as well, or the online tournaments there. Oops. Very well. One of the uh, one of the doors opened in Zach's apartment, yeah. sucked out sucked uh, out the internet yeah. for a second. Oh no! <laughs> Did you guys miss what um, I said? I said that I, I said that I was uh, into the Mario Kart uh, online tournaments as well. I thought those were really cool too. Yep. Well, the Splatfests are great because they're like, they're not just an event, right? They're like, they get you involved. They give you a stake in it. <laughs> they make yeah. you decide. They, they were like- so smart and they, they always use silly little topics to get you interested. So there was that banter on social media before. It's like the ketchup mm-hmm. versus mayo thing, right? Mayo, yeah. always. Um, but, <laughs> I agree. Uh, it's mayo. Whereas the others, where the other the other games did a good job at creating some sort of uh, online focused event, but it what it didn't have that same kind of oom for me. Mm-hmm. I think my ideal online limited time events, not even online, but just limited time events, are ones that require you to do a specific thing, but doesn't involve any RNG or grinding. Like you mm-hmm. can just do the thing a set amount of times, and you're guaranteed to be done with it at the end. Um, because things like, for example, like the Magikarp grinding, like you're not guaranteed to get the shiny Magikarp every single time. So you are encouraged to continuously do it. And I think games that like the, the Stringfish, for example, like you can't just like set out to do it and do it. You have to be lucky and having limited time events that require you to be lucky can be kind of frustrating. Yeah, okay. but fair. you had a month. True. <laughs> True. But for all the procrastinators in the world, you had like what, like two days? Like, come on. I, I think that's what happened there. It's like at the, <laughs> on the last day, we also promoted, hey, it's the last day for you to mm-hmm. catch, catch this fish. And then people people go a little nuts, right? And then they get frustrated that not every fish that appears in the in the mountainous rivers is is the one they're looking for. Um, I, you know, like, but you, you start me- early. 
you're totally right pair because you know like a limited time event that lasts for two weeks is like maybe more stressful than but it's stressful but like nobody really faults animal crossing for having different bugs or no, fish cycle out right like that part of the game is essentially a limited time event in the same way just the time scale is much much longer and it just mm-hmm. sort of is like less pressured and it's mm-hmm cool and it it adds to that calendar aspect of the game rather than feeling like you're gonna miss out on something until those last two days (laughs) and it teaches basically it's just a lesson in procrastination don't do it and then you won't be stressed out yeah i also think you know that and that's where animal crossing needs to evolve a little bit if the uh if the borders were uh removed where you can visit somebody else's island that you don't 100 percent know you know like if you could visit somebody in australia or around the world, you could pick a country in the world and go to somebody's um, town. A lot of those those time restrictions would be eased a little bit, at least. But they do have the you know the the dodo tickets and all that kind of stuff. So, well, uh, what is it called the Nook ticket? Yeah, and let's not forget about the opposite of this style event. Take for instance a game like Chrono Trigger, which is an unlimited timed event. <laughs> so bad. Well, there are games like, do you remember Night, (laughs) where if you played it on Christmas, you got Christmas nights? Yeah, I mean, Arkham does that too, right? Where like different holidays and stuff, they show up with different, you know, text and and voice options and stuff like that. It's cool. Mm -hmm. I like Mm -hmm. it. I liked my joke. I liked liked it too. It was a good joke. I liked it. Probably probably one of the worst jokes we've had. Yeah, that's okay. So we were just talking about limited time events in games and if they are fun or stressful or maybe a little bit of both, let us know how you feel in the comments. And next up, we will be talking about Fumitsu Interview. A Fumitsu Interview has revealed more details about Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. I started hearing an echo, so I got thrown off. It's just just (laughs) Zach. being an echo <laughs> no but um there's an interview with a uh, monolith soft president tetsuya takahashi and they revealed a bunch more information about xenoblade chronicles definitive edition zach i saw that you preloaded this game i did so can, you, can you say that you're now thoroughly on the hype train are you excited i uh, cautiously optimistic i think is, is okay. how i would describe my my feelings towards xenoblade chronicle you know i i hear that uh, obviously, we've talked about this to death on this show. I, I played about 10 hours of Chronicles 2. Wasn't for me. Not a big fan. But uh, everybody that's uh, on Twitter and, and likes to give me a bunch of uh, guff about having not played the first one says that the first one is much better and uh, that I will love it because I like a good JRPG. Um, the idea that they're adding an expansion that is you know 10 to 12 hours longer than what is already probably a 78 hour RPG is uh, a little concerning to me because I it's already a pretty big time investment. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I have it preloaded. I'm going to get out there and give it my old best shot and see how it goes. All right. So the, the expansion that Zach mentioned is called future connected and it's kind of like an epilogue story that takes place uh, a year after the events of the main original game and um takahashi said it takes about 10 to 12 hours but it could be closer to 20 if you do all of the side content and you can also do the epilogue without finishing the original game you can do it totally separately you cannot do it at all up to you and it also includes a new battle system as well I, I was surprised by that. I thought this was going to be like a, a true epilogue of like two hours where you get to um, get to explore, you know, some of the some of the aftermath. But that that's a pretty sizable upgrade to the original game to include all that. It's like, you know, rolling in a 
a torna basically into into the main game. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It's and, um, like, can we just call it what it is? It's a new game. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, this, this is the this is the crazy thing to be about J, like JRPG timescales is if you announced a game that was ten to twenty hours with a new battle system for a series that was not a JRPG, that would just be called a video game. <laughs> in this case, it's like an expansion as part of a remaster. Like that's crazy. Yeah, that's and very then, good. You know, they said if they had made it paid a paid DLC edition, it would have been even longer and bigger. Amazing. Yeah. That's cool. But no, they're just adding it in. Um, they also said um, that Takashi felt bad about the character graphics in the original, and so they went back and considerably improved it in the Definitive Edition, which we've seen from a lot of the trailers so far. And we also have learned recently that they went back in and, and redid a lot of the lip syncing to make mm-hmm. that better as well. The music isn't re-recorded with an orchestra, but it has been rearranged and improved. And yeah, they've just done a lot of different improvements and changes in this game. I guess not so many changes that it would be considered a remake. It is definitely still a remaster, but I think it is improved enough and has enough additional content to make it worth playing. What are you laughing at, Zach? I just remembered how in the second game uh, you play as a a guy who's got a sexy lady for a sword. God damn, that game is dumb. (laughs) 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 I, you know, that is like a pretty common... Where can people find you? (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like that's a pretty common anime trope where weapons are also people. Yeah, like Soul Leader is one of them. I'm sure there's a bunch of more that I'm just like not thinking of right now. Yeah, and I guess oh, it's always, um, I guess it's always like a pretty common anime trope to give yeah. the weapon that's also a person just impossible <laughs> physical features. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. But, yeah, yeah, there's there's a new anime called Infinite Dendrogram. They do the same thing. There's a guy with sword person. has a has a lady. Oh, sword. you're right. It's just it's just a trope. It's just a normal. Con- we yeah. just accept this as normal now. And There's just, also uh, that new game coming out, Boyfriend Dungeon, which is literally all yes. about swords that turn into people. Oh, actually, and don't forget about don't forget about the new game coming this fall. It's called Booby Sword. That's about a sword no. with boobs. <laughs> nope, that's not it. Nope. Don't talk about Fee. That was her name, right? The Skyward Fee. Sword. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I gotta okay. stop. <laughs> I got about five more lined up that I'm just not going to say. <laughs> we'll imagine them for you. Mm-hmm. That's good. But yeah, um, we'll probably learn more once that full interview is released. These were just a few tidbits taken out in advance. So I don't know. Look out for that on IGN.com sometime in the near future. But now let's move on to some small news. We actually have quite a few small news stories, including... I just wanted to include this. So they released a, um, there's a new Clubhouse Games 51 Worldwide Classics trailer. And it showed off all 51 games in a six minute trailer. And it's split into different categories like board game, card games, sports games, variety games, single player games. And um, it looks pretty cool. And I'm actually kind of looking forward to this because you can just like, for example, like play Manjala just with the touchscreen on the Switch. Like you put it on a tabletop and you like move around the beads with your with the touch screen with another person playing next to you so it looks like just a, a collection of a bunch of board games in the switch so you don't have to buy a bunch of different board games 
This and- is one of those things where it could blow up to be this ginormous seller for them. You know, once mm-hmm. in a while, Nintendo has a title where we go like, really? Is that going to do well? And then it's like... <laughs> Yo, I'm hyped for this game. Yeah. Like, weirdly so. Like, I don't know why specifically, but like from what they've shown off, they look well made. Like each of these looks well made and there yeah. are a lot of cool things and it's a lot in one package. And it's like, cool, man. Like this will be a great little thing to have on like, like trips, you know, family trips or family events, hanging out with little cousins or that sort of thing. Like I'm totally on board with this. Mm-hmm. And you can also, you can even line up multiple Switch consoles for games like slot cars, like you do in Super Mario Party. Um, it supports local play for card games and up to four people can play with just one copy of the game That's and it, yeah it sounds awesome and it also includes the hanafuda card games um which i'm pretty sure nintendo previously made it'd be the, i mean obviously they didn't predict this but it's a good title for the summer months where people go on vacations and on road trips and stuff right mm-hmm. that would have been good that you can bring all these games easily with you now that we're all stuck at home i kind of have a lot of those games Oh, wow. <laughs> in physical form I, everybody's got a deck of cards at home right so it's it's a little bit less not not that you yeah. can bring a deck of cards with you but like uh the the convenience factor i think it's it'll be nice to have next year when we actually can leave the house again mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean i'm i'm still looking forward to it because i don't have a ton of board games and things like that at home. i mean i have a deck of cards but there's definitely a lot of games in this trailer that that showed off that i don't have so yep. yeah Maybe I can recruit my roommate and we can play some three-player games. Uh, also, there are more NES and SNES games announced for Switch Online. Um, of course, right after we spent uh, some time ragging on it last week with uh, Seth Macy and Janet Garcia. <laughs> but um, NES is getting Rygar and SNES is getting Wild Guns, Panel Dupont, and Operation Logic Bomb. And they are available on Switch Online now. And these are the first editions of Switch Online since February. Hair. It's been a while. Well, Panel Dupont is great. You guys should play it. Obviously, you know, we've seen Western versions. Uh, we've seen it westernized as Tetris Attack. And, uh, you know, Pokemon Puzzle League was a spinoff from Panel Dupont as okay. well. But that was a big, big Nintendo puzzle series in Japan before. You know, it, it got um, it got changed and westernized and Pokemonified. Uh, Panel Dupont is great. It's uh, nobody will remember the characters and you know, and and the the music might not stick with you, but the core gameplay is just so good. So I'm I'm happy that we have the Japanese version here. Finally, I also I also think that Rygar is an underrated NES game. I think that's a kick-ass game that that not a lot of people talk about when they talk about you know the pantheon of NES games. But Rygar is very fun. That's cool. Terry, yeah. do you disagree? Do you disagree about Rygar? Rygar is fine. <laughs> there it is. I'm not gonna lie until. Pair, until you said that Pendled Upon was basically like Pokemon Puzzle League, I didn't I hadn't heard of any of these and I was very like I was initially underwhelmed, but now I'm excited to play that one. Yeah, it's not I mean, it's not just like it. It is it's literally it, right? It's literally um, Pokemon Puzzle League. Yeah, I mean but oh Pokemon yeah. Puzzle League's oh, a yeah. good game. I'm uh, for the audio listeners, I'm holding up my screen and we're seeing a game that looks exactly like Pokemon Puzzle League. And you're playing, uh, you're playing a strawberry shortcake, too. That's nice. That's, it, it definitely has had that vibe. I, I agree with you. But does it have a MIDI version of the Road to Viridian City theme song to get stuck in my head for literally two decades? No, but I feel like that's always playing in your head, so you don't need that anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's true. 
Yeah. Also, if we ever have to file a police report about you, we'll we'll say that was one of the causes. Sorry, also, Casey, go ahead. No worries. Also, in small news, we have finally gotten a North American release date for Story of Seasons Friends of Mineral Town. It's coming out on July 14th, and it was previously announced that it's launching in Europe and Australia in July 10th. And these are remakes of Harvest Moon Friends of Mineral Town and Harvest Moon More Friends of Mineral Town, and it follows the story of both of those games. Um, so, yeah, again, some Harvest Moon. It's not Rune Factory 5, but, you know, I guess you don't need to tame monsters and go out in dungeons and attack things to have fun i'm kidding this is, <laughs> this is definitely one of those things where i don't understand the like licensing that has gone into this oh yeah i have no idea zero like because like, i knew story of seasons harvest moon turned into story of seasons but then they're also making harvest moon games but i didn't realize that story of seasons could remake a harvest moon game like that is a very weird uh-huh. thing to me like I just, okay, don't, well, I just don't know how that works. Okay, it's it's because they own the game code. The 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 thing you got to free yourself from is to think that the games were always called Harvest Moon. In Japan, mm. the games were always called Bokujo Monogatari, which means a farm story or farm tale. And so that's the original game they're remaking. They're not actually like the U.S. title Harvest Moon was one that Natsume applied to that franchise, just like. Uh, Natsume published uh, Pokey on Rocky and that series is called Kiki Kai Kai in Japan. So same thing. Uh, now, okay. the ugly split between the two, that's what got, what got things confusing where the you know Natsume owning the Harvest Moon name hired a what I feel like is a lesser developer to continue the franchise. Like they should have found somebody who's as great um, as the people behind Story of Seasons. Gotcha. Thank you. Yeah, that thank really you. made my head hurt. Go. <laughs> Sorry, I I like those games. Yeah. Um. Also, some other news. Uh, we previously covered that um, Gamescom was canceled, but digital Gamescom dates have been revealed. They will take place between August 27th and 30th, and promises world premieres, news, games, and events, and include shows like Opening Night Live, Awesome Indies, and the Gamescom Daily Show, and Gamescom Studio, which is supposed to feature developer interviews. So I guess if you weren't actually going to the show, you should expect similar content that you would have been getting otherwise, especially on IGN.com. That's right. We're a partner this year as well, so we... We were going to um, have a studio space on the Gamescom show floor. Since it's now a digital event, we have a studio space right here in our living rooms. And uh, we'll be running programming uh, with Gamescom and on our own uh, during those days. So, And we'll be carrying opening night live and other programming. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So that was about... Yeah, are you sad? We. I just said, do you guys remember events? You remember going to events mm-hmm. and stuff? That was nice. <laughs> I had so many things that I was going to do this year and I'm not doing any of it. And I'm very upset. So. Yeah. Was, was one of those I assume so. And one of those things was also Pokemon World Championships in London. I've mm. never been to London. Oh, man. Uh, but no, Beautiful. I'm still never going to have been to London. But that's okay. There's always next year. Planning for next year. Maybe. It's a great city. Who mm. knows? Who knows if next year is also canceled? Anyway. <laughs> Uh, at least we have games coming out this week, like we do every week. <laughs> this took a this thing got really sad real quick. My I'm fault. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's my fault. Um, I'll, I will make sure to get a, a twelve pack of Kolsch to to drink at my home studio during Gamescom. 
I'm sure I'm sure Bevmo delivers in San Francisco. Out they here in do. the boonies, you got to use another service for that. But. So I couldn't get them to deliver. I had to get them. They had to ship to me. And I guess they were having a buy one, get one for one cent sale. And I guess I put so much stuff in my cart. A notification popped up. It was like, looks like you're having a party. Do you need a coordinator? And I was like, <laughs> no, gosh, offense taken. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, they sell Reisdorf coach. So, so you can get one of the actual Cologne. Uh, oh. They have American ones. Yeah. I've, are not the, bad. The Fort, Fort Point makes Fort a Cologne. Good. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Let's continue with Nintendo voice chat, even though I would like a beer voice chat. Let's do a spinoff one day. Anyway, I outlast. Water. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm also drinking water, but, you know, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, last week, we did miss one game, and it was Hatsune Miku Project Diva Mega Mix out on the 15th for $39. It is a... It's, okay, look. Hatsune Miku is a huge thing and it's the first time she's been on Nintendo Switch if you don't count the Just Dance games because you can dance to some Hatsune Miku songs on Just Dance. But um, this is a collection of more than 100 songs. Some of them are new. A lot of them are old from the past decade of Hatsune Miku songs. And uh, it's a just a pleasant Vocaloid rhythm game. So if you're into that... There you go. Are these Casey games? Do you play... Do you play I, I have never played a Hatsune Miku game. I did... Okay. I accidentally wander onto into a Hatsune Miku um, festival at in a park in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. That was fun, <laughs> but um, yeah, I haven't played Classic. it yet. Classic Miku Fest, yeah. Uh, Michael Hyam, who works at uh, Gamespot, has been posting gameplay clips of this Hatsune Miku game, and uh, it looks fun as hell. Like I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Those are jams coming out of there, and it's you know it's it's got a similar principle of as DDR, like you're using the directional buttons to you know input rhythmically, and like yeah, it looks it looks fun. Um, and I've not played a rhythm game since um, oh god, what was it that came to the Switch? Uh, it's been a uh, lot. Yeah, it's the one that everybody loves that I played good. for like a thousand hours, and now I don't remember the name. Anyway, this me good chat, is- Zach. Yeah, I know. That's, okay. <laughs> do you no, mean I do. Uh, Hyrule? Uh, sorry, keep going. Cadence of Hyrule? No, it's yeah. okay. Bye, Zach. <laughs> I do. I do like dancing to Miku and Just Dance, but that's it. Um, I also so some of you have been able to play with the wonderful 101 remastered. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cool. Because mm-hmm. that is out on the 19th for 40 bucks. It is a superhero action game from Platinum. Originals for the Wii U, we've been talking about a bit, so you probably know all the background information. Our reviewer, Mitchell Sutzman, gave it a 9 out of 10. And he said, as a remaster, it may disappoint, but the wonderful 101 remastered is still the best way to play this Wii U classic. And he really liked it and called it amazing. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, that game is still fun as hell. And um, I'm a Platinum fan. I really like a lot of what Platinum does. I think their kind of over-the-top action is... Um, both fun to play and kind of a spectacle to behold and and this game delivers that in a way that none of their other games do in that it's so colorful and cartoony and from level to level you're doing you know different kinds of activities be it um you know the the standard exploration or the battling or like 
uh, there's levels that are just straight up shooter levels and you're constantly switching back and forth between these these kinds of gameplay for boss fights that like are amazing the boss fights are so good um but i'm just like stoked that this game is, has an opportunity to find a new audience i think you know as a second party developer on on wii u platinum uh kind of painted themselves into a corner with this game because you know only 13 million units in distribution means that you've got a really limited audience to buy in on a game like this that's already pretty niche so bringing this out again and allowing a new audience to to uh, experience this game and, and get a taste of what it is is really cool because it is a super super fun game and this is a very polished version of of uh, wonderful 101 i i like everything about it except for playing it <laughs> What? what does that even mean? No, I, I, I got to be honest. It's, it's it's just not my kind of game. It's I okay. really like the idea, the concepts. It's so so playful. You know the 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 hero design and how they create weapons and all that is really cool. But I don't know. There was just something, uh, and I haven't played the Switch version. I, I played the the original. I just couldn't get into it. It was just one of those games where I'm like, man, I really want to like it because my coworkers and friends really like it. And couldn't get into it. It happens. What if they added Picross into the mix? If it was like a shooter oh, level, be, and then a Picross level, and then an action adventure level, does our review scale go to eleven? Oh, and then and then the next level would be like a Kolsch level. It was just Ooh. a fair game. Yeah. There is a guy, isn't there? A hero that's just like a beer. He's got like a beer glass on his head. Mm-hmm. One yeah. thing I will say about this because okay. we have talked about it already, but like um, this is a really good example to me of wii u ports of games that take advantage of the gamepad screen working without Mm -hmm. it and Mm -hmm. i really like it's very encouraging to see this because it really doesn't suffer too much with losing that functionality and losing that screen um and it it gives me hope for the future of other wii u games potentially getting ports Mm mm-hmm yeah, I think that the way that they've integrated that the drawing feature on the right stick is really smart and doesn't feel uh, it doesn't feel out of place uh, when you're playing it on on because uh, I, I full like I've been playing it on PlayStation Four. I haven't played it on Switch, so um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I it doesn't feel you know it doesn't feel like a tack on. It doesn't feel like it's it's like a, a means to an end. It really feels like this yep. game was developed with the, a right stick in mind whereas on the Wii U you were drawing out the shapes to to you know construct a sword or uh the the whip or the the gloves or whatever. But yeah. So our our reviewer Mitchell um really likes it obviously. He's a huge platinum fan as well and he really mm-hmm. likes skill games um mm-hmm. and, and combo based games. So uh he he said the Switch version has some performance issues so just be aware of that. That, yeah, even um, in his even in his review, you know, when he flips over to talk about the switch, like you can immediately see the difference in graphical fidelity. Like it's yeah, it, it looks much much better on the PlayStation Four, but it's still you know mm-hmm. still a pretty fun game. Cool. Mm-hmm. And also out this week, we have uh, two golf games, both for twenty dollars. We have golf with your friends and what the golf. Mm-hmm. Tom, uh-huh. if you could only get one golf game this week, which one would you recommend most? Well. <laughs> That question is, do you have friends? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I played them both as well. Yeah. Golf with your friends is a really, really fun mini golf game, but I think it is, it really doesn't hold up as well on your own. It is, it is, it's in the title, it is explicitly made for multiplayer, and it does that yeah. extremely well. Whereas what the golf is more like a puzzle game, and it's, really really fun and silly but it is a solo game so if you're not going to be playing this with other people then totally go for what the golf but uh 
Golf with Your Friends is a lot of fun if you have other people who have also bought it and are are can play online with you. Yeah, interestingly, like golf with 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 your friends is set up to be super easy to join, like jump in. Like the the entire interface is really designed around you getting the game going really fast. Um, it's pretty whimsical too. So it's not just a straight up mini golf game. It's got like a haunted mansion level, and you know, like the the controls are pretty simple there you know you you actually have full control over your power meter and you can just set it to whatever power um hits you want versus like uh, you know some of the traditional golf games that have those more timed elements to hitting a button right when you know an indicator flashes or something so it's very simple so it's all about figuring out how to bounce the shots off the walls and take shortcuts and stuff and so yeah i i I've only played it single player so far. Um, I want to get it going with uh, with the kids here. I'm I'm digging it. What the golf is really interesting because it is much more. It's just much more silly and actiony. The one bummer is it's twenty bucks, and you know it's basically that same price would have bought you two months of subscription to Apple Arcade, and you can you can play it over there. It's it's a yeah. little high in price. Um, but uh, whether you play it on, on mobile or on the Switch, I'm sure uh, the experience is great. Yeah, I, I played a lot of What the Golf on mobile and had a really mm-hmm. great time. But uh, I, I completely agree with you. $20, $20 is just too steep for that right. game. I would wait. It is, fun. it it is very funny, though. It, it's, it's a super it's funny game. And it does, yeah. it does like, it has some somewhat of a gimmicky kind of twist that is is very, very funny in, in, pra- in practice. And um you know, I, I would just wait for it to to hit a sale on the eShop or something because it's a great game for five bucks. It's a great, it's a pretty good game for ten bucks. Twenty bucks is just too steep for for that game. Yeah. I think. Yeah, but it is a. It's also a very long game, though. I will say that. Like there, there is a ton of different challenges and objectives and replayability and what the golf. Yep. Oof. My screen just went black for a second and I got very scared, but it is back and I am back and there are still two other games coming out this week. But uh, so real quick, Real Mist Masterpiece Edition is coming out on the 21st for 20 bucks. And this is a Tom, you seemed incredulous about this announcement. Not incredulous, just shocked. Mist is coming out on on Switch is like not a headline I ever thought I would be seeing, right? Like the, for anyone who doesn't know, this is a 1995 point and click adventure puzzle game that essentially defined a genre in a large way and Real Mist is the slightly later updated version that made everything 3D instead of 2D and then Masterpiece Edition is like the remastered version of that from 2014 and so it's like this is a bunch of different layers of this game coming to getting updated but basically this is like the best version of Myst you can find and it's just so weird and cool that it's coming to Switch and it's like a still a great game so like if you've never played it and you've heard the name Myst like you should definitely check this out. I don't know about the Switch port yet, but like, it's so weird and cool that we can recommend this game to Switch owners. Yeah, somebody oh, out a- there, somebody out there is trying to make Mist a thing in a big way right now. You know, we've got this Mist port. We heard about a Mist TV show that's coming. Like, you know, somebody somebody out there is thinking about Mist in a way that hasn't been thought about in about a twenty five years. So. Well, it's an early example of a mainstream PC game, right? Like mm-hmm. parents played Myst. It really mm-hmm. broke out of the kind of niche PC market of the time. That's how, that's one of like this is this speaking from personal experience. This is one of the games that got me into gaming because my mom played it and she would play it with me on her lap and we would just do the puzzles and like I just watch. But like 
obviously very young me because I was Mm -hmm. at the time this came out four, but like it it was, yeah, this was, this was a formative game for a lot of people. I think. Yeah. Tom's younger brother's name is missed after this game, actually missed marks. That's not true. (laughs) Mom loved it. His middle name is also an R. So it's Mr. Marks. (laughs) Ah. All right, last game coming out this week that we wanted to mention is Monster Prom XXL out on the 21st for $16. And it is a multiplayer monster dating sim where you have to get a date to prom in a school full of monster people. And it includes all of the DLC. This is a game that Miranda, Janet, and I wanted to stream, and then we never did. So maybe we'll do it eventually sometime, maybe now that it's out on the Switch. But it looks like a, just a really cute game to play with people. Now, on to games that we're actually playing right now pair what, what are you playing <laughs> i didn't want to interrupt you because they have, there are a couple of other games uh, coming out this week that i'm actually playing um so there's uh, uh red wings aces of sky i think that's out uh you know by the time that we're posting this it's 18 bucks it's uh kind of like it's like pilot wings with guns it's like it's it's kind of an air combat dogfight game with you know your typical kind of red red baron uh you know, pardon pardon my German, but with like Fokkers and airplanes like that. So you get you get triplanes and biplane combat, which is really cool. It's not a historically accurate sim or anything. Like you're flying through the sky and blowing up giant blimps with uh, angry faces on them and um, and flying through rings to refuel and stuff. But it, it's really well made. It's got these cartoonish graphics, runs really smoothly. Uh, I started playing. I just wanted to play a little bit. I kept on going. Um, it's, uh, it's fun. You play, uh, you you can also do co-op together. Um, definitely if you're looking for a cool flying game, this, this is one to, uh, this is one to play for sure. Digging that one. There are a couple other games that are, um, you know, one is out this week. Um, that's uh, called cannibal cuisine. Uh, I, I reserve the, I reserve my judgment on that one because it is a multiplayer game and I've only played it single player, but it's basically overcooked with cannibals. So uh, like overcooked with violence, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, in addition to get the meat part of your uh, in in order to get the meat part of your ingredient, you got to kill some tourists and they're like these cartoony little people. You got to hit them and then you got to take the steaks from the tourists and then you got to pair them with stuff. And it's like a four player party game where you're all playing playing together up to four players um trying to create these recipes for um you know some some uh, evil god that likes to eat that sort of stuff. Nothing can be pure in this world where somebody looked at overcooked and was like what if this but with death. Yeah. It is I mean it is it is kind of silly cartoonish south park looking death. Um Yeah. Uh I the, and it, it's got potential. I, I like what I've seen. But my um, my favorite game this week is uh, Hunt Down. Have you guys heard of that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we mentioned that uh, last week on the show briefly. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, if you guys already talked about it. No, it's, no, no. Go ahead. Just, None of us have played it. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's it's twenty bucks. It's basically uh, it's basically Contra. You know, it's like a a, a better looking Contra game with like deliberately. You know, sixteen uh, bit art, but it is it is more detailed than a lot of the uh, games from that age. Runs at sixty frames per second, really big explosions, 
uh, fun little elements. I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah. Do you remember Blackthorn, where in order to dodge bullets, you could kind of go into the background? It's got that sort of element where That's you can cool. take cover or you can go you can go into a doorway, wait for people to shoot, then pop out and get them. And you've got, you know, you can pull giant guns off, um, uh, off, the, off the street or off your enemies. Um, it's, uh, it's really well done. It's got this kind of, uh, you know, cyberpunk look to it with, you know, kind of the prerequisite Blade Runner style with lots of Japanese characters everywhere and stuff. Um, it's a really well-made game. I'm, I'm enjoying it quite a lot. So if you're looking for some uh, 16-bit action, that, one, that one's out there. Cool. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Zach? What are you playing? Um, I've been playing a game called Butt Blade, the anthropomorphic blade who's also a butt but is a man as well. No, I'm just that kidding. That is not uh, true. <laughs> I've, I've, only played, uh, I've only been playing uh, uh, the wonderful 101 here and there, and I, I've, I've actually been kind of slowing down. I, I, you know, I burnt out. I played an obscene amount of Animal Crossing followed by a ludicrous amount of Final Fantasy VII followed by an absolutely ridiculous amount of Final Fantasy XV. So I, you know, I kind of burn out on games and uh, I've been picking up the controller and playing a level of wonderful 101 here and there, but I've mostly been taking a, taking a pretty easy time on games and, and uh, you know, doing some other yeah. stuff during this quarantine time. Yeah. Have you played Picross? Nah, no, I have not. <sighs> At this, point, at this point, I'm just not playing it just to spite you, Perry. Ah, Picross S4 is amazing. Also, Travel Mosaics 3 is out, or almost out. You got to play that, too. What? The Travel Mosaics 3? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sign me up. All right, Tom. So you just said uh, you're playing so much stuff. Yeah, that's the what? answer. Uh, by the way way, there's a uh someone with a leaf blower has decided to be leaf blowing outside my house so if it gets too loud please let me know as Mm. pair taunts zach with picross um yeah i uh (laughs) i've been playing just a bunch of different stuff i've been playing persona 5 royal still on ps5 but uh, in terms of what's on switch um I've been playing a lot of golf with your friends, with some friends. Uh, and then I've also been playing, I dip back hard into Worms WMD, which is the most recent Worms game and is still on Switch and is still so, so incredibly good. A game for both local or online co-op is just like one of the best party games you can probably play. Um, Worms WMD is just the top one for me. We- yeah, Worms is one of those games that we always bring out when people come to visit us who don't regularly play games at home. They don't have their own consoles, like uh, extended family. When Whenever they're here, somehow we end up in Worms, and it's just so much fun. Uh, I also finally tried, which I took took me a long time to want to, like, to fi- like jump on this, but I tried One Step from Eden, which is, I oh, believe, yeah. a humble published game, so disclosure mm-hmm. there, but um, that game is really weird and cool. It's really hard. That game is so hard. Extremely hard. Um, weird mix of like Mega Man Battle Network meets a roguelike FTL style game is like very weird and cool. Um, and deck building. It's, and deck building. It's a lot of stuff. I try not to mention that though, because then uh, people will it's, stop paying attention. Yeah. Okay. It's not, it's more action y than deck building Yeah. <laughs> is that the sloth exactly from Zootopia? Did they just rip no. off sloth from Zootopia? <laughs> Remember we talked about that? There's yeah. a Travel Mosaics 2 that looks like Zootopia. Yeah. This is the third one, and it still looks like Zootopia. And song. it's a really, really good Picross game. Don't ignore it. Look Zach, I did. Oh, you got it. Zach is showing that he actually has Picross S4. Did you just buy it? I just, haven't I just, played bought it. it. I just bought it right now because you're bullying me. <gasps> 
There we go. All right. Next week, we'll talk about the cross. Jupiter. (laughs) But we are are just about out of time. But before I sign off, I will just let you guys know I've been playing DDR because games that you can play with your feet are few and far between. So I got a DDR mat and maybe I'll get one for the Switch so I can play Cadence of Hyrule with my feet because I can't play with my hands. Zach, stop making that face. It's not... Uh, Now on to question block. So this first question comes from Carl Garcia, and he asks, what is the most you've spent on a special edition game, and do you think it's worth spending on... What do you think is worth spending on those? What are some of your favorites? Uh, I'll I'll open it with a downer easy answer, which is like, basically, I never buy special editions. Same. I... I, It's kind of... Like, I don't know. It's just not like... It's very rarely worth this, like the the stuff for me. But that's also because I'm not like I'm already out of space to put things in my house. So yeah. like, I just don't have a ton of desire for that. That's a good question. I'm trying to remember. I I usually don't buy the special editions that come with big statues in them because I'm running out of room. But you know, I did like when it's a Zelda special edition. I usually go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got the giant. Uh, Breath of the Wild box for for Switch and all of that, um, but yeah, I usually I don't go for like the Call of Duty drone and remote control car ones or anything like that. The refrigerator, yeah. the Call of Duty oh, fridge. But if somebody I, had an awesome like Star Wars ship or something enclosed with something, I like special editions with practical items. Like I think the last special edition I bought, well. I guess I got Monster Hunter World Special Edition because it came with a soundtrack and a, a small-ish figure, and I, I then had a desk to put it on. But the last one I, I went out to purchase was the Breath of the Wild Special Edition because it came with the Switch case. And it's like, oh, I will need that for my Switch that I'm getting on the same day. So it was a practical purchase and economical for me. Yeah, those but, um, those are the ones I like. But I, I was showing the... Uh... You know the Ubisoft uh, Star, Star Fox R Wing, of course. That I think was the cheapest special edition ever because it got discounted so heavily. It's like five bucks. Also, remember, I, yeah. Was that even a special edition? Could you buy it physically on Switch without getting the R Wing? I don't remember. Well, I don't remember. Well, you uh, could get it uh, digitally for sure. Right. No, mm-hmm. I don't remember either. Also, there were a few special edition Pokemon games that came with like things like pins, like something small that I can stick in a drawer and be happy that I have it, but not actually take up too much space. <laughs> something, something, that I, something that I pay extra money for and then I put away and never look at again. That's what I like to get. There was a, one of my, I still read uh, Penny Arcade, the webcomic, like mm-hmm. pretty much three times a week. I still really enjoy that, that comic. Space. <laughs> just wondering where this is going. <laughs> No, I just, I, I think you're the first person that I've heard in a very long time that still reads Penny Arcade. Oh, yeah. Big Penny Arcade fan. Yeah. Uh, they had, a, they had a, a comic la- uh, like a few weeks ago at this point that uh, said there was a line in it where they're talking about the special editions of Assassin's Creed. And one of them says, you should consider the Valhalla edition. It comes with something for your children to throw away when you die. It was <laughs> <laughs> like, just nice. terribly on point. It's so sassy. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys buy the uh, Did you guys buy the Wind Waker HD Special Edition for Wii U? The one that came I with did. the Ganondorf Ganondorf statue. Yeah, those go for like two hundred, three hundred bucks now. What I really? Didn't... I still have mine. Yeah, I didn't buy. Don't throw I, didn't away buy the box. I didn't buy that special edition, but I have that Ganondorf statue. Oh, how'd you do that? Yeah. Steal it? Somebody gave it to me. He paid two hundred, three hundred bucks for it. No, I definitely did not. Somebody I still have mine in the box. 
Kyle O'Connor. Kyle O'Connor gave me his special edition statue. Uh-huh. Yep. I, I just noticed my Majora's Mask special edition box has like a scratch on it, and I, I just got very upset. Mm. How did this happen? How did this happen? No, yeah. it's okay. Um, this next question is from Rowan Beaton, and he says, what's a good length for a game for you? So, like, how long, ideally, would your games be? Uh, 20 hours, 25 hours is about where I tap out. Um, I, I was, you know, was going to say the same thing. Yeah, typically, like, I, I was talking about this yesterday on News Games and More. Like, I really love open world games. I, I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of the open world genre. Um, and I think I often find myself playing open world games in the same way where, like, I spend the first... 15 to 20 hours doing absolutely everything that I see and trying to, to take, you know, take over everything. And then, uh, at about the 20 hour mark, I'm like, all right, let's wrap this up. And then I just storm through the story to get to the end. So like, yeah, I I feel like 25 hours, maybe 30, if it's a game that I really love, but yeah, that's about sweet spot for me. I I will say that I, I, I kind of, I like that 20 hour mark as well, but with games like Assassin's Creed Odyssey or breath of the wild, I spent north of 100 hours on those games oh, so, yeah. um, or 80 80 to 100 or witcher 3 I'll, I'll keep on going so it really i i value the added depth and those games i kind of don't want them to end and want to keep playing but it is always daunting to start a new game and i'm like looking at personas re-release now i'm like i i love persona 5 so much but i just can't find the time to play it and so when I look at Final Fantasy VII Remake, I was a little bit more confident that I would be able to actually play through that game and get the whole story out of it. So it it really depends, though, because Animal Crossing is one of those games where you are going to play more than 100 hours no matter what, but it's spread out and it doesn't feel like you have to finish it in a week in order to be able to mm-hmm. talk to others or, or so. I I don't... Like, this might be a cop-out of an answer, but my answer for how what's a good game like is, like, whatever the mechanics support in my mind, like, like I don't fault Cyanar Wild Hearts for being two hours in the same way that I don't fault Persona for being 120. Like, I think both of those games felt like the right length that they should be to me. And like, that's what's more important to me is I'd always rather a game be actually playing to its strengths than adding in filler or cutting out things when, or ending too soon, right? Like I'd always rather it be whatever feels right for that narrative in that game more than just like hitting a target for the sake of a target. I will agree with Pear though. It is very, very daunting to start hundred hour games. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's right. I, ultimately that's what keeps me from going back and, and replaying something like Skyrim or Fallout or, you know, it, it it's just so daunting to be able to find that time and yeah I, add some far cry game i didn't finish every far cry game because of that either um some of them just get a little bit too big even even saying that 25 to 30 hours is like where i want to to hang up a game like i have over 400 hours easy in breath of the wild like i've played some games just you know a stupid yeah. amount so yeah yep. but on the other side of that coin like it's I, I said this a lot when they both came out around the same time but like Untitled Goose Game only took me like two hours, and then mm-hmm. Cyanar Wild Hearts took me two hours also, but Cyanar Wild Hearts felt like about the right length, whereas Goose Game felt too short to me, right? And they uh, were yeah, same, you're right. Same length, but like I wanted, I felt like one kind of left me hanging and the other one felt like it wrapped up nicely. So like I like short games a lot too. It just is a matter of like kind of what the what the game is telling you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I think, I think your point is like, 
I think your point about liking a game until the mechanics kind of give out is is the right the right uh, metric there, Tom. You know, yeah. I, I think that my tolerance for some stuff in games just runs a little shorter. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, I I tend to like games that I I could be done with between twenty to like forty hours, like maybe fifty if I want to spend a lot of doing random stuff. But I like the I built the ability to spend a lot more time doing other things. Mm-hmm. It's like, I like the choice of like, can I, should I just go finish the story now? Like, am I done? Or should I like stick around and keep doing the side questy stuff? Like, um, like, I mean, like Skyrim, you can technically finish the main story in like, what, like 30 hours? Like if you really tried, but no one does that. No one ever does that. But I like the option to like finish what I'd like. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. But it does, that is about all the, that is, all the time we have left this week unfortunately i have a meeting to go to but um marshall gordig i did get your email and we have a question we will answer it next week it is about metroid prime so stick around next or come back next week to hear the answer to that question but thank you everyone so much for listening remember you can listen to mvc every thursday at 3 p.m pacific time and remember nintendo voice chat is the only place you can get the thing You've probably heard the name Mary, Queen of Scots, and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy, but how much do you know about her life and what she was really like? For instance, did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled, or that giving gifts was her love language? In my podcast, Vulgar History, we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part miniseries about the fascinating life of Mary, Queen of Scots. Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were, and it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear, and each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com. <laughs>